0: Hello and welcome to MapBytes episode 101. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. And in this episode, Elaine suffers a rude awakening before meeting a kindred spirit. Or maybe not. We seem to have surprised you with uh, episode 100, didn't we? Yep, loads of lovely feedback. First,
1: news from Minster HQ. Sadly, he's not partaking of Movember. But in better news, he's already there at the Grizzly Adams stage, and he sent us a photo to prove it. So, are you taking that as a challenge, dear?
0: Uh, Well, I haven't shaved
1: for a week, so uh,
0: yes, or
1: not. I don't think it's looking quite as spectacular as Minster, though. But he did raise the bar in listening to the show, risking it on a bike ride, wait for it, in the fog.
0: The
2: man knows no fear.
0: He also informed us that his selfie stick is actually a self-portrait device and that the lurid luminous pink he was caught wearing is, in fact, light purple. (laughs) You keep telling yourself that, Minster. It was pink. Kevin, Carrie and Jane all took a more cautious approach to listening.
1: Wisely waiting to see if Minster survived his extreme listening challenge before they took the plunge. Jane, however, took the lovely Kirby for a walk while listening. Strangely, he was more interested in sniffing squirrels than listening to the show, but each to their own. And Amanda reported her
0: third time listening this morning whilst out, out on a run
1: third listen. Candidate for a MacBites marathon, I think? Definitely, definitely. Weren't you fiddling with Facebook again? I try. We have MacBiters in there. Uh, Andy, Damien, Peter, Andrew, Rose and Darren, to name but a few. And it seems this time I actually managed to post. To great effect, according to Andrew Black, who said, talk of next week and another 100 shows, I'm all a flutter. And here with... Next week, as promised.
2: Beta blockers required all round then.
1: Don't be cheeky. And Graham completely surpassed himself. Oh, he did. He listened to the show during a special afternoon tea. The full works sent us a photo too. You know what that did? What did that do? Made me lust after pork
0: <laughs> pie all afternoon. Then we heard from Wayne Franklin on Twitter, who said, So thrilled to see MacBytes episode 100 after a long hiatus. My second favourite podcast after the Mac Power Users.
1: Just a minute. There are other podcasts. Who knew? Anyway, thank you for your very kind words, Wayne. They are very much appreciated.
0: And it was great to hear from Derek as well. He said, uh, thanks for another brilliant MacBytes just finished just finished listening.
1: He also let us know about there being 15% off iTunes vouchers at Boots. So it's just the right time to keep an eye out for a bargain on the iTunes money front. Because you discovered there is 20% off at Tesco's until the 22nd of November.
0: There is only off £25 ones though. I, ach- I actually asked because they had all different... Values there 15 pounds 25 30. Did you know there's a hundred pound one?
1: I did. You haven't bought me one yet though, but I live in hope. <laughs> no, but uh,
0: on the poster, it's actually got a, a 20 pound 25 pound one. So I said to the, the lady, I said, D- Is this 20% off all of them? She said, No, only, only off the ones
1: that are on the poster. Right, we'll be heading there then. I've been um splurging a little. Mm. Ah, and we also need to say hello to Jonathan. Who said he enjoyed the show as well, and was just about round the time of his birthday, so I hope he had a good one. Shall sing. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Happy
0: birthday to you. OK.
1: that's. No, me. because then we'll be doing it for everybody and we'll be doing it every week. And who wants to listen to you singing every week? OK, every week. Oh, indeed. Every week. OK. Um, and classic feedback from Ruth. Uh, she tweeted and she said, you saying, and I'm, I'm, this is a bit meta this because if I say it again, but I'm going to have to for it to make any sense. You saying, hey, Siri, activated Siri on my phone. Three times while I was listening to the latest episode of macbytes I mean, what on earth? How? Doesn't do a thing for mine. That wasn't
0: the end of it either, was it?
1: No, because then Carrie said that she was experiencing exactly the same. So it's just you Siri is ignoring. It would appear so. Now, both of them had trained Siri to respond to their voice. So the only other conclusion is that both Ruth and Carrie sound like me. Now, Chris, that's Big Blue Wolf on Twitter, did some testing and he found that Siri on his phone didn't respond to his wife or his son's girlfriend, but did respond quite happily to his son. So let's just say I wouldn't be relying on a voice lock for security just yet.
0: Unless it's you who can't even get your own device to respond to you.
1: Well, yes, yeah, so it seems. Anyway, if you want to hear Ruth, you can do exactly that by listening to the Parental Geekery podcast that she hosts with her husband, John. Yeah, we had fun listening. Great... The teeth! Oh, early doors, the teeth! No, you're
0: cutting that bit out. Am I? Yes. Whoops. We had fun listening. Great chemistry and fun banter.
1: Yeah, we met them at a podcaster's meetup in Manchester this summer and then had the pleasure of sharing the two-day New Media Europe conference with Ruth in September. So uh, watch this space! as we were plotting a crossover episode. I was keen on the title of Parental Bites, but Mac Geekery might be less alarming for the listeners. Mm, I think so.
0: Anyway, I'm almost too afraid to ask, but how did the Skype thing progress this week?
1: Oh, yes. The extortion of the year mail from Skype. Um, I, I think we're at the stage where I said I'd sent them an Are You Kidding message on Twitter. Not really expecting a reply, but I did actually get a reply. Um they replied on Twitter directly to me and asked if I'd seen their forum post, the one saying they'd made a mistake. And uh, I replied saying I had, and I was awaiting clarification. And I thought, well, that'll be the end of it. But I got another message from them, a personal apology, albeit only for the, massive air quotes, confusion. What confusion? They made a major foul up. They may have been confused. I wasn't confused. So um finally a few days ago got the clarification at this time they had risked a mail merge so it uh, it said dear username my username uh, last week we sent you an email letting you know about an upcoming change to the price of your Skype number subscription the new price in the email was incorrect but as you may have gathered the price of your Skype number subscription will increase the new price for your Skype number will be 19 pounds and 14 pence Every 12 months. So it's gone up from £21 to £19 odd. I want some of whatever Skype are on.
0: Definitely. Um, Could they not do the maths there, do you think?
1: I have no concept of what's going on because the £21 that I actually pay is a 50% reduction. So the proper price is around £42, £43. And I get 50% off because I've got other services with them. So, actually, the proper price is in the £40 area, and now it's going to be £19.14. pence. So, if they've made a mistake, it was a big one. But surprisingly enough, or not, as you can gather, I didn't bother trying to correct them on that one. I thought, let's just see what the bill is, and we'll deal with it then. All they needed
0: to do was put, if old price is greater than new price, then going down, rather than going... Oh, take
1: your Uh, Excel head off. We'll be here all day. Anyway,
0: should we move on to something else?
1: I think we should.
0: Okay. Um, Recently, Microsoft announced that it will roll out new versions of Outlook for iOS and Android. And these updates will include functionality from Sunrise, which is a calendaring app that they bought in February for $100 million. The mobile version of Outlook actually came about via another Microsoft acquisition. Um, They bought a startup called Accompli in December last year. Now, Accompli built a mobile email app, which was also called Accompli, Uh, which was quickly rebranded by Microsoft as Outlook for Mobile. So having bought and sunsetted a they've now done the same thing with Sunrise. Who couldn't see that coming? Mm, Exactly. Well, according to the corporate vice president of the Outlook team at Microsoft, over the coming months, you'll see richer calendar experiences from coming into Outlook from Sunrise, including interesting calendars. Is this where
1: they just make up the appointments?
0: As opposed to boring. You
1: know, your calendar looks a bit boring. (laughs) We'll add a few things.
0: (laughs) Add connections to your favourite apps and services. You'll also see improvements to Outlook's ability to create meetings whilst on the go and handle meetings across time zones. All this means that Outlook will eventually replace the current Sunrise app. We'll leave Sunrise in market until its features are fully integrated into Outlook, the exact timing of which we will communicate in advance. Now, talking of Outlook for iOS, when that first came out, I thought, that's great, I actually want to use it. And I wanted to use it at work. And so I installed it on my iPhone, set it all up and got an error message. And I found, speaking to one of the guys on the mobility team, that they've prevented us connecting to Outlook for iOS due to security concerns. Now, I thought that Outlook for iOS was actually just a front end to an Office 365 mailbox hosted on Microsoft servers, because we have Office 365 as a service at work. And apparently it is. But for for whatever reason, the data is processed through Amazon Web Services. Which I find very strange because doesn't half the world run on Amazon
1: Web Services? Yeah, it seems like it. But Amazon have got their own. Um, Microsoft have got their own. Yes, Azure, isn't it? Which makes it even stranger that it's running on Amazon. It is. Maybe they don't trust their own services. Maybe they're worried somebody will sunset it. Mm. There's actually a lot of uh,
0: large enterprises um, who aren't happy about this. And from what I've been told, it, it is preventing wide-scale adoption of Outlook for iOS in the enterprise. And because of this, Microsoft are actually reviewing this and will be moving to
1: their own platform, which you've just mentioned, uh, which is Azure. But that's very strange because when um, Apple first rolled out something, I can't remember for the life of me what now, but it was a a cloud-based service. It could be iCloud. that it was running on Azure services. I think it was. So Apple are using Microsoft and Microsoft are using Amazon. Do you think Amazon are using Apple? Mm. Just to complete the circle. (laughs) I hope not. I hope not. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. Um, I actually tried Sunrise once, uh, once Microsoft bought it, because I was hoping to get around the Outlook issue. Uh, and at the time, it didn't support Office 365 Exchange calendars, which I thought was, was really odd, as it was a Microsoft product, but it was must have been in, in its infancy. So I think I'll wait and see if these improvements make it any more secure.
1: Makes me wonder about Wait for it. Wonderlist. Oh, Wonderlist. We, we used that. That We used that for a project we did, didn't we? Yes. And it wasn't bad. Um, they just introduced tagging to it, but it's a, it's a fairly basic, straightforward to-do list. But, you know, the little things that they'd added over time, it made it pretty good. And, and it was certainly real-time collaboration. And not long after we'd started using it, Microsoft bought it. So what's the betting? They'll asset strip it, shove the stuff into Outlook, and that'll be the end of that.
0: More than likely. Mm. Might take them a couple of years, but they'll get there.
1: No, I think it'll be within 12 to 18 months. It'll have gone. Mm. I wouldn't mind, you know, if Outlook actually worked for me. But it's got problems on iOS. Has it? And it is a problem that can be got round. And it may not affect... Too many people, but my situation is I've got my calendars on my iCloud account, but my mail is hosted on Gmail and both of those use the same email address. So when I come to log into Outlook, I log in and it's fine. I get my mail and it comes, no problem. But I can't add my iCloud account because it thinks that that email address belongs to my Google account and it just won't let me do it. So the calendar section... Of Outlook is permanently blank. Now, what you'd have to do to get around it is to, on your iCloud account, which has an email address, not at iCloud.com or me.com or any of the others, you'd have to have an iCloud um, address on it. And I don't want one. This goes back years and years to when I had a .Mac account and that's got a very nice screen name with it. And I didn't want to use another screen name. And I certainly don't need another mail account. So until they iron out that little issue, I can't do that. I think what they're doing is what's causing the problem. When they add an account, they're adding it as a mail account. You can't choose to just add an account and say, this is just for calendars. So it just doesn't work for me at all. And I know that it can be got round because um, the one that I use, which is Boxer Pro, that works fine. So I can add my account on there. Uh, My mail has been coming in. And then when they added the ability to look at your calendars, I added my iCloud account and it was fine. It didn't complain and say there's no email on this. You can't do that. Everything was fine. So another little something else that Microsoft need to fix. That wasn't the only thing you had an issue with this week, though, was it? There's something else you use on the way out.
0: Yes, it was uh, something that I used once or twice many years ago. Uh, a, a, A screen recording app called Screener. It was actually, I think it was online service. Uh, where you recorded your screen, made a a little video to about five minutes and stored it on their servers. And they actually retired it this week, November the 11th. And uh they, they sent an email out and it said, as you might know, screener's recording capability is based on Java runtime environments, which is rapidly becoming antiquated. Um for example, Google Chrome doesn't support it anymore. And because they pride themselves on providing a superior customer experience, there's just no way around this issue, and these issues are simply unacceptable. So they were allowing you to download your videos, but you had to do that before November the 11th Uh, and then after that no longer able to log into Screener but any videos that you've got that are embedded into other places will continue to work. So yes, unfortunately Due to circumstances outside their control, it's uh, it's another one that's bitten the dust this week.
1: It's a shame, though, because it did work well. It didn't need to install anything as long as you have Java. And obviously, a few years back, everybody had Java. I found what I could do with it was get clients to use it to record a problem they were having. Because obviously, most of them don't have something like ScreenFlow. And it did. It just worked brilliantly. And um, so I'm actually sad that that's gone. I can see the logic of it, and I always worried about the security. You know, obviously, if a browser can record your entire screen, and you didn't really need to give it much permit in the way of permission to do it, that's quite scary. It is. But functionality-wise, it, it was quite mm. impressive. That I don't know if anything else could do that.
0: Nothing, nothing that I can think of now.
1: And I know I remember you using it. You actually did an ad, didn't you, for one of your webinars at work?
0: I did. It was, a, I think, it was an ad for um a MacBytes um. Webinar or an Excel webinar
1: it was Excel of some description. I don't know if it was for a, with I I don't know if it was for us um but i th- I thought it was for work, but I remember you saying it was actually faster to do it, and the only thing with screener was you you could only top and tail couldn't you? Or couldn't you even I do I don't that? think
0: you could do that.
1: I think it was just so it really did you had to get everything right in one take one take and that's it ultimately with it but I mean we're used to doing live so that's not a problem the stuff you had at work was so slow by comparison that you just use the online service mm. so certainly for, for corporates I think it still had legs because you know they're probably on IE4 anyway so they're going to have no problem with Java it's probably running very nicely probably the only thing that is running very nicely. But I think that's sad.
0: There was actually a screener for business um, service and they shut that down in the summer. So I think you could see where it was going.
1: Mm. Anyway, if you think that's bad, pity me with the Adobe apps. Yes, Photoshop Touch died earlier this year. But we were told, never fear, Project Regel is here. Remember Revel or Revel. I do. Previously known as Carousel. No. Mm, it's all right. Don't worry, nor does anyone else. It was a photo management and storage system. And at first it was free and then it became subscription based. And pretty much it was Apple Photos without the fanfare. Anyway, Project Regal, not Revel or Revel, became Photoshop Fix. So if you remember at the September Apple event, they demonstrated the iPad Pro and they, they were using the pencil on it. That was Regal being revealed to be Photoshop Fix. In the meantime, Adobe Cooler. Remember Adobe Cooler? I
0: remember Adobe Cooler. That
1: yeah. was, it was cool, if you'll pardon the pun. No, seriously, it was. Um, it was the colour management thing. Uh, so there's a website, there was apps. That ceased to exist and that became Adobe Color, which has since become Adobe Capture. In the meanwhile with that, Adobe Brush, Adobe Hue and Adobe Shape also became Adobe Capture. And Behance ProSight, this was an app for iPhone, became Adobe Portfolio. Do you remember Proto? Adobe Proto? I remember the name. It was a prototyping app, which died a sad death. But never fear, they've released a new one called Adobe Comp, doing exactly the same job. But they've just announced Project Comet, which is a UX prototyping app, 2016 release expected. Then there's Adobe Fuse and Adobe Stock. That's it? No, because I'd lost the will to live at that point.
2: I'd lost it a while back.
1: I mean, how confusing is that lot? Just a little bit. These were all either services, but mainly they were iOS apps. And instead of... They obviously didn't want to try and port their desktop apps to mobile. So they brought out this entire collection of individual little apps, each one of which did different things. If they've sunsetted one set of them, They must have done this three or four times. And, you know, I had diagrams and stuff from them saying this is what we're doing. This this is how everything maps together. But this time, even I'm confused. So um, at the moment, I'm just ignoring the lot of them. I think I'll just wait a bit till they've calmed down. Because if I leave it long enough, they'll go through another five iterations of that lot, no doubt. Mm. And then there was OneDrive. Oh, yes. A tweet in the small hours of the morning while I was still working. And it started with, and I quote, OneDrive storage plans change in pursuit of productivity and collaboration. You know what's coming, don't you? You're about to be shafted.
2: You'd be right.
1: Yes, for anyone who doesn't remember, uh, OneDrive started off with, I think it was 5 gig, and then they went up to 15 gig, and that was free. But if you had purchased an Office 365 subscription, included with that was one terabyte of free storage. And then, completely out of the blue... About 12 months ago, they offered unlimited storage with an Office 365 subscription, which I thought was dangerously ambitious at the time. Uh, Under-promise and over-deliver. Never over-promise and then backtrack. Whilst at the same time attempting to tell your customers it's for their own good. That's the bit that got me. Uh, So what they're doing is they're removing the option to buy 100 gig and 200 gig. So they've just gone completely. You can buy 50 gig and that's $199 a month. Um, But that's really your only option now. So if you've got a 365 subscription, you'll get one terabyte. But if you have the free version, you're not even going to get the free 15 gig anymore. Now, I think they could afford to grandfather people on that, but they're taking that down to five again. Is it all Microsoft's fault? Well, as I say, I thought it was way over optimistic in the first place, but is it their fault if some people abuse it? Because that's, well, that's what they're blaming. They're saying it's the usual greed of some, sadly affecting the rest of us. That people were backing up multiple computers and they were backing up film archives, music, you name it. Which I must admit, I had as, as my plan. That's, <laughs> that's what I was heading off to do with it. You know, to put lots of stuff up there. I tested it with music, I tested it with videos and it was great. But I don't think it would have taken me 75 gig, which... um. No, 75 ter- terabytes, rather, which is what they were saying some people were using. So do you think that's Microsoft's fault? Do you think it's people abusing it?
0: Uh, for me, it was people abusing it, definitely.
1: Yeah, but then why punish the rest of us? I agree with if you. You're, if you're not ready for unlimited, then don't offer it. Mm, that's why. I why? But, but, you know, they offered it and I was working on the principle of, right, okay, I'll put all my stuff on there then. And then it disappears. So not pleased. I had a look round, just a swift look round, to see what, what was available in terms of cloud storage. And the only one that I can see that would be no problem if you wanted unlimited was Amazon S3. Because it is unlimited and you pay for what you use, which I wouldn't mind doing. The only problem I'd got on that was there isn't really a great app that uses it. You know, like most of these cloud services have got a very good cloud client. Yeah. The only one I can even think of, apart from FTP, which, you know, you've actually manually got to go in and do that, was one called Arc. And I remember Ian from Digital Outbox wrote a piece on it a long time back. But really, I I took from what I've read and what Ian said, it's really for backup. It's more like a remote time machine thing. When I tested it, it used a proprietary archive format. Um, So it was backing up to this amorphous blob in the cloud. And I thought, that's not really what I'm after. I wanted to. I just wanted files up there. I just really want a remote disk, that's all. The other problem I had with that was it was per computer pricing. Um, not that expensive, it was $40. But I thought, odds are if I'm backing this up in that way, it's going to be on a different computer that I want to pull it down. And I also wanted mobile access. So I didn't think that was going to work. I was looking for something more transparent in operation. So something like Expand Drive. We're going to have to have another look at cloud storage because it has changed a lot since the last time. So how about that's the focus of next week's show? She said it. Your work here is done. But actually, you know, Google topped the lot a while back uh, during our little hiatus. Did you notice that? They sunsetted themselves by becoming alphabet. I think that's the ultimate in sunsetting.
0: Yeah, I I did see that, but it's still Google, isn't it? You still say I'm going to Google something, not I'm going to alphabet it.
1: It's all business related, isn't it? I don't think we're going to notice any changes whatsoever. Mm. But that is the ultimate in sunsetting. Although I think I'm more. I i, I don't really care about that. I'm more annoyed about the OneDrive thing. Mm.
0: We thought we'd see no changes when Microsoft brought X, Y, and Z, but now we have.
1: I wasn't as green as you. I thought we probably would.
0: Mm. And I see you added another demise to this
1: list, but uh, surely you're a little late with this one. Oh, Betamax. You'd think so. But apparently it was still being manufactured and was still popular in Japan. They've not made any players since 2002, but they announced that they were ceasing production of tapes in March 2016. So um, if you're a Betamax aficionado, you may want to stock up before then. I think I've still got one of those in the garage somewhere. Anyway, you know what urban legend had it caused the demise of the Betamax format, don't you? What, well, price? Pornography. Well, the lack of it, to be precise. Yes, I was reading an article and um, it said, you might also have heard that Sony's puritanical stance on not allowing pornography on its tapes led to the overall downfall of the format, or at least in part. Typical. Do you know, I despair of human nature at times. However, ur- that urban legend is disputed. And um, I, I was re- yeah, this is the kind of thing I research, you know, and uh, I found another quote uh, on a site that was explaining all about formats. And it said, in the end, what's most likely is the biggest contributor to the downfall of Betamax was the price difference. Now, I had no idea they were so, uh, so expensive, but it said on average, Betamax players were around a thousand dollars. But a VCR that played VHS tape was around three hundred and the consumer simply not willing to pay that much more for a product that wasn't that much better. So, looks like cheap porn looks like a guaranteed win then. It does, but how
0: did um, Sony ban pornography on the tapes?
1: I have no idea. Oh. That's a good point. It is. (laughs) Mm, We probably shouldn't ponder that for long, as we might come up with an answer, Mm. which could be very dangerous. So talking of human nature and despairing of it, um, but well, what should we call this? I, I think bad Photoshop's a good start. It was all about Cameron's poppy. Hmm. This this would be David Cameron. Now, obviously, you mustn't confuse Cameron's poppy with Cameron's pig, known as Piggate. And sadly, I'm not even joking.
0: Uh, I think that needs to come with a "Don't Google It" warning.
1: At a a minimum, it needs a not safe for work warning. Do you know, there are international Macbiters now wondering who is actually running the country while Cameron um, cooks his goose, as it were, allegedly. Must add that in, the lawyers lawyers will insist. Um, The answer is that we're no clearer on that than you are. Anyway, this isn't Piggate, this is Poppygate. And this started when the official Facebook page for 10 Downing Street, who knew they had an official Facebook page, uh, changed the profile picture to one sporting a poppy. Well, actually, it wasn't the page sporting the poppy. It was David Cameron sporting the poppy. Now, you didn't need a degree in forensic photography to spot the flaws. In this photograph, the sun was blazing. Nice, lightweight summer suit. Now, UK, November, as we mentioned last week, somewhat chilly around the Trossachs. So the question was asked, some said by eagle-eyed Dylan Morris. But to be honest, he didn't really have to be that eagle-eyed, just brave enough to ask the question, is that photoshopped? and then answered his own question when he found the original of the photo, Sans Poppy. What do you think of that? Uh, I think that's disgusting, actually. I couldn't get over it. It's a matter of respect, you know, acknowledging loss and sacrifice. I'd actually have had more respect for someone who made a conscious decision not to wear a poppy than someone who thinks it's okay to Photoshop one on. But it got better. The explanation was hysterical. A spokesman for Cameron says... The manipulated photo was the result of an oversight. Hmm, let's think about that. An oversight. Isn't that when you don't do something? Just to be sure, I looked it up. It's defined as a fault, failure, omission, lapse, an inaccuracy of omission. Hmm, this was a deliberate decision to do it because you don't inadvertently find a suitable photo of the Prime Minister, find a suitable photo of a poppy, mask the poppy out of the source image, add it to Cameron's photo and then publish it. That's what's called deliberate. Later, Downing Street took down the Photoshop photo and replaced it with an actual picture of Cameron wearing a poppy. Hmm. So, lesson to be learnt. Photoshop, a case of just because you can doesn't mean you should. But if you do, do make it good. Do you remember that Apple keynote for the iPad Pro? I remember the Apple keynote for the iPad Pro. You shouldn't have forgotten it. It was one of it was one of the good ones. Do you remember Adobe coming on stage demonstrating iPad Pro and pencil? Oh, wasn't that um, Harry Potter? Uh, was it Harry Potter? Kevin Lynch? No, I don't think it was. No, no, no. It was the guy from Adobe. It wasn't an an Apple person. It was somebody from Adobe, which was just as well, because that was when the proverbial started hitting the air conditioning. Um, They came on to do this demonstration, and the demonstration was showing you how precise the pencil could be. And they had this picture of a model, and they were making her smile. And I must admit, I didn't think much of it. I mean, the demonstration was fine, and the after photo was great. You know, she was a pretty girl to start with, just wasn't smiling. Well, as I say, the proverbial hit, the air conditioning. Um, there were there were articles written about how it was politically incorrect to make women smile in demonstrations. <laughs> did you read them?
0: No, but have they got nothing better to do?
1: I did think it was political correctness gone crazy. But apparently it's a very British thing of um, women being told, you know, smile, love, give us a smile kind of thing. And I completely missed that. And I was thinking as I was sat there reading it, thinking, oh, I've done that. <laughs> What about blokes? <laughs> do you remember the picture of the girl in the blue shirt? Oh yes, I remember
0: the girl in the blue shirt. Yeah,
1: she had she had a very a very wide scowl on her face, and I must admit, I did make her smile. But I had no idea that it was politically incorrect. So, um, mm. apparently, you do have to be very, very careful. I know you do have to be careful with clients when you're working with Photoshop because you might think to yourself, "Who's going to be offended if you make them look twenty years younger?" But you know, then they look in the mirror and um, you actually upset them, and i have seen people get offended if you take it too far so it's probably best you know to to go at it quite gently rather than do something um more well less subtle not more subtle yeah be more subtle don't don't go for the less subtle um apparently it's some kind of passive aggressive insult as to how they usually look now personally to me the anorexic twig look doesn't suit anybody but the fashion mags seem to love it but again you have to be so so careful so really it's a case i mean oh we're talking technology and, and you, with great power comes great responsibility. You've got to use it wisely. And I know when I'm working with Photoshop, I actually sort of say to them, what What are you looking for? What do you expect? What do you want? And, you know, not everybody does want to look plastic. I actually find it's easier to work with images. You know, people want um, images recovering. So... Um, fixing from years ago not fixing in terms of putting a smile on somebody's face but you know this photo was ripped in half and um, then dunked into a tank of water can you do anything with it that kind of stuff because i'll be honest it is easier you come up with anything and it's going to look better than when it started but if you've got a picture of somebody and they want their, their wrinkles removing and they want you know to lose a, a half a pound or so you're you're on dangerous ground be careful so as i say Great power, great responsibility. You've got to be very, very careful. Well, following on from last week's rant about Keynote... Do you mean calm and rational exposition of the current release of Keynote?
2: No, he means rant.
0: As I was saying, following on from last week's rant about Keynote, this week brought even more Keynote joy. It did not. You need to explain your request on Saturday night for the full impact of Sunday morning to make any sense.
1: So they feel my pain, you mean? Well, we'd got an early morning planned, and I'm not good in the mornings.
2: Understatement.
1: So I requested that you, who are always up at some nauseatingly early hour, wake me gently. Which is exactly what I did. With keynote news that was guaranteed to send me from naught to 60 in an instant is not gentle.
0: Uh, well, I wasn't overjoyed with it either. What I was doing early on Sunday morning was creating a video, an Excel video to put on YouTube. And um, I came to a bit where I needed to overlay uh, an image. And what I do is I create the image in Keynote uh, and uh, with a a slide that's the right size, uh, which is 1280 by 720. And then I go into the export option in Keynote and export it to a TIFF which I can then stick on the timeline in uh, ScreenFlow. And then I did it. I stuck the um, the, the image into Kino, into um, ScreenFlow, exported the video as an MP4, played it back to watch it, and I saw these black borders all around it when I got to the uh, the bit with the, the image. And I thought, what gives here? And I started doubting myself thinking have i done something wrong when i exported it from keynote and then this I looked, is how they get away with it mm, then i looked at the size of the file just by going through the uh, the tiff file properties and it was um 1024 by 768 so i thought what gives here i even went back and looked at some older um images that had exported previously and they were okay So I did a bit of Googling and I found that, yes, it was a known issue. And in the latest update to Keynote, which I'd only installed a few days ago, um, they had broken it.
1: Yes. So once you told me, I left Apple some feedback. Shall we say expressing my disappointment? There was actually a workaround, but it was horrible. They told you to export to PDF instead of TIFF. And then open the PDF in preview and you could export as TIFFs from there. Well, that worked for me. So I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. And it was okay exporting the PDF. And when I opened it up in preview, I couldn't get it to export the pages as a batch. I'm assuming you had the same issue.
0: I didn't try it. I only tried it with the one and it worked for me. So I was happy.
1: If you had one single slide, it did it. But you had to do it individual slide by individual slide. (laughs) I can just see that with some of my presentations with 100 slides Um, so I thought okay I'll I'll give Acrobat a go. Acrobat will do it so you you open up your multi-page file in Acrobat and it will export them as individual TIFF files but the monstrous interface shoehorned into the latest version of that is a whole different story altogether so as I say I expressed my disappointment. I wrapped up my disappointment with, come on, you can do better than this, Apple. I want to love using Keynote, not deal with frustrations on a daily basis. Any expectation that that would do the trick? No, none at all. Yes, but it did. It was updated last night and they fixed it. I know. I was pleased. But then I thought, I've not had much time to see what they've broken in fixing that issue. And to be honest, that's the problem. Having faith that fixing one thing won't break another. And they've got a long way to go before they restore my confidence. And that's a nice segue into
0: the discussion of damaged apps.
1: Don't get me going on that one. It's been a bit of a week, hasn't it? It has. This this issue, which has finally got out there, um, has been happening to me for a lot longer than just this week. I've got odd reports as well from others going back oh, two, three, four weeks. But nothing seems to have been picked up about it in the wider Mac community. But what's been happening is um, the apps won't update from the App Store. Sometimes it fails and it says, you know, this has failed, try again. But the button to updates dimmed out. So on your updates page, it's reporting you've got three updates. All of them have tried, all of them have failed. And then next to them, it says, this has failed. So that was one issue that you couldn't even update them at all. But then I've seen it where I've started to download a file and then it, then it just errors. So it's stuck halfway. Some of them seem to completely download and then you get an error message saying that the app is damaged. Um, you can't run them without logging out and logging back in or maybe rebooting or recreating a, a receipt file. And my problems were as well that sometimes you can't even delete an app to re-download it because it's locked in some kind of way. Then I've got error messages saying that um, an app has been bought on another computer, especially ScreenFlow. And um, can you imagine if you're an average user with one Mac and you get a message to say this, you know, you need to enter your password because you bought this app on another computer. You are going to freak out. You're going to think you've been hacked and it's a pirate version. It's just generally a nightmare. Now, Tweetbot Paul tracked down a file that contained a date after which a certificate wasn't valid. That date was this week. So apparently this week, everybody had the problem that I'd been having for a good few weeks. And um, Apple fixed it by changing a date to something like 2035. So that issue is fixed, but you still have to potentially either log out and log back in of the store or reboot. Now, I think I tried doing all of that with certain apps and it still wasn't having it. And then the iOS app store began failing over the last few days. So not the best experience this week, I didn't think.
0: I've not uh, actually tried the iOS. i not set again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you think I'm editing it out, don't you?
0: Mm, no, you won't be editing that one, I know. I-O-S. Shall I say that again?
1: Yeah, go on, third time lucky.
0: Yes, I, I haven't used the I-O-S store for the last week or so. I don't know how many apps I'm going to have to update when I do get around to doing it. So if it's been
1: failing for you, maybe they've fixed it. Maybe they haven't. Anyway. No, they won't have done because I haven't expressed my disappointment with them yet.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it, it hit me this morning. I was I was recording a video at stupid o'clock and I was recording in the studio. And what we do is we do belt and braces, don't we, when we record. We use ScreenFlow and we use Screenium as backup. And they're both from the Mac App Store and they both had problems. Um, what I did is I tried to run Screenium and it asked for a password. Um, and I, I put the password in. And then ScreenFlow wouldn't run. It said it was damaged and it refused to update.
1: That's exactly the problem that I've been seeing. And to be honest, ScreenFlow is a a major nuisance with that because some apps, when you download them and you install them and you manually copy them from one app folder on one machine to the apps folder on another machine, they just run. They're fine. Um, But ScreenFlow won't. If you do that, which sometimes you have to do because you're in a situation like this, it won't let you update it. It won't let you delete it. So you've got to do something. So I've actually taken ScreenFlow, the actual .app file from one machine to another. And even on a good day when the app store isn't broken, when you try doing that, it insists that you log in again. It's obviously they're concerned about piracy, but it was a situation like that and ScreenFlow is notorious for it. They also tried, if you remember, remember a while back, they put up a message every time you started the app that said join the mailing list and if you wouldn't then you kept getting this message That that's that's since been taken away I'm not surprised but they are a real nuisance with that so when you said when I finally surfaced at, at, at a not stupid o'clock hour I wasn't surprised that ScreenFlow was like that but luckily Screenium was okay wasn't it it was it was fine yes. otherwise I wouldn't have been able to record would I well no People wonder why we have primary apps, secondary apps and backups to both of those apps. But that's why, because all of a sudden, one day uh, something will update, something will change and it wouldn't even have to be those apps. And those apps don't work anymore. And maybe they'll fix them and maybe maybe it'll be a day, maybe it'll be a week. But I've known ScreenFlow not working for seven weeks while they fix something. I haven't got seven weeks to play around. Well, I wait for them to fix something. If I've got a video to get out, I've got a video to get out and I have to do that no matter what. And I know QuickTime can do it, but oh, the fans go crazy if you try using QuickTime for more than five minutes. So we have ScreenFlow, Screenium, ScreenFlick and Camtasia. And... We need all of them as well, don't we? We do. I've certainly used all of them in, 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 at various points. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, as I found out today, we do.
1: Yeah, they are all slightly different in how they do it, and it can get confusing. And, you, you know, we do the audio separate as well, so it, it can be a nightmare. But to be honest, these were the very fears people talked about when the App Store was launched. And all the fanboys said, don't worry, it'll never happen. It was going to be like this app buying utopia. Can I just say, get your stuff together, Apple. Really, seriously, get your stuff together.
0: Should we talk about something lighter? Lighter note.
1: (laughs) I think we probably should before I go into meltdown. (laughs) Um, I think you should share what
0: happened when we went for lunch last Sunday.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, I like going out to lunch. Yes, I spotted a lady in the restaurant and she was swathed in metres of billowing fabric. Seriously, it was covering her head, most of above the waist, actually, and I thought a kindred spirit, surely. Odd place to be checking for backlight bleed, but she was clearly focused on something important. And at what point did you realise your mistake? When the child she was breastfeeding started screaming. But look, it was a mistake anyone could make.
0: (laughs) No, only the Queen of Backlight Bleed could do that.
1: And you knew what she was really doing? Uh, Well, no,
0: but I have more idea than you did.
1: Anyway, I checked on Amazon, and you can buy these things. I'm sensing an opportunity for cross-selling them into the tech market, you know. MacBytes branded back like bleed boleros.
2: Those bionic teeth are coming along nicely.
1: Be very thankful Mike didn't attempt that one. Yeah, they'll
0: go well with the thongs, won't they? I don't see why not. Anyway, let's get back to the tech, shall we, after that little interlude. (laughs) I believe you've got a new app to play
1: with. Something I've spent nine years looking for. In MacBytes 18, which was June 2009, we did a Switcher's Corner all about clipboard extenders. Oh, crap! To take a trip down memory lane, I was surprised actually how many of them I, I'd tried at that stage. That was only sort of three years in to my Mac ownership. Um, I started talking about ClipMate. Do you remember ClipMate? Windows. Fabulous.
0: Yes, I remember that. I used to use that once, twice.
1: Oh, it was wonderful. The standard by which all clipboard extenders shall be judged, henceforth. Um, I talked about Shadow Clipboard from Stupid Fish Programming. I use that a lot, you know. And I can't remember when I stopped using it. I'm I'm suspecting uh, an OS update broke it. But uh, I checked and there's been no updates since 2007. So I don't rate my chances of getting that one working now. I'd also used iClip from irradiated software, which is very much still alive. And um, there is actually a promised update for full El Capitan support. There's only tiny issues with it already, so it's perfectly usable. But I, I looked back and thought, why didn't I use this one anymore? And there was a little bit too much interface for me. I prefer a keyboard only navigation. I don't want to, when I'm in the middle of needing to copy and paste stuff from further back in my copy history, to have to go to the mouse and start playing around with it. Well, I also use one called Corkboard, which, again, very visual, mouse intensive. They look beautiful. They were fantastic. But in terms of usability, not quite all there. Well, that one's defunct now. And then I remembered one called Clips. I'm sure you use some of these, you know, but you have probably forgotten.
0: Probably. Again,
1: very visual and mouse intensive, but again, defunct. Not even a website anymore. Then I saw that i would uh, put done a review of PTH Pasteboard. And I remember that one being one of the best. It, it was sort of, the, it had the most features. And guess what? That's defunct. Site's gone. And I thought this is getting repetitive and ridiculous. You know, what are people using for this now? Do you remember Stuff? S-T-U-F. Yeah. Now that one again, I tried. I think I must have used that after one of the others had gone. That was from the Escapers. The site's still there, but there's a gravestone on the site that says RIP. <laughs> They're obviously Mac biters. Um, but looked out closely, it wasn't for st- the latest version. It was for stuff one and stuff two had since been released. But the site looks terrible as though it's just being forgotten. You know, they've actually looks like they've forgotten to take the page down. So those were just a few of the ones that I tried. But then I came up with something that I hoped was a keeper. And that was Copy Paste Pro from Plum Amazing. And that's actually one of the few that are still going strong. Uh, you might remember because we talked about it and I talked about them using Bean as an editor. Remember Bean?
0: I remember the name.
1: It was, a, I think it's a plain text editor. It's either a plain text editor or a little word processor, you know, a lightweight word processor. And they used it as the editor. Uh, I don't know if they still do, because then I found one. This was MacBytes 80. Do you know it was less than 18 months ago? Uh, and it was OnSoft's ClipBuddy. And it is the image of ClipMate. And I was using it quite happily until it crashed and burnt on me. The developers, to be fair to them, did offer to help, but they wanted me to send the data file. And having thought about that, I thought this is one step away from a key logger, isn't it? It is. If you think about what you copy and put on your clipboard. Mm. I can't even remember what I copy and put on my clipboard. Because obviously not...
0: Passwords mainly.
1: Well, yes, but you'll probably not be aware that one password gets ignored. When, it, when it's copying stuff, generally. Most of them do have some option to exclude apps and um, 1Password's want one to go. But even so, I think you may have copied addresses, phone numbers, personal stuff out of letters. You know, you may be putting an email together and just copy or, or even cut, cut a cut paragraph out and you think it's gone and it's not. It's in your history. So um, I declined their offer and i went very simple after that i started using alfred because it includes basic clipboard extender functionality launch bar has the same there were a few issues with it and i remember talking about them i said it was limited to uh, text only and i couldn't get the multiple copy and paste working um, there was a different shortcut key and the idea was that you could use it like a spike and copy or cut multiple items to it and then paste them back as a single item but it was doing its own thing for me, but I learned to live with it. I just turned that feature off.
0: I'm sensing one of those legendary butts coming on.
1: Mm. But then I spotted copy and paste. That is copy, the word copy, and then E-M, paste. Copy and paste. It supports text and images. And when you think about these apps and you think, what features would I want them to have? You you sometimes forget the obvious, which is it supports the usual command and C, command and V, which is actually very important. But of course, it goes beyond that. Um, To get the full functionality, you need to download a helper app. And this is because, again, Mac App Store, the sandboxing means that it needs to be a separate download. So you can use the app that you download from the App Store, but to get all of the functionality, you could do with this little helper app. So I downloaded that and installed it as well. And it's just so feature-rich. At a basic level, you get to decide how many items you want to keep before it starts deleting the oldest. And that's really a performance thing. You know, the, the more items you've got on your clipboard history, theoretically, it'll affect performance. So I think it's set to 100 by default, which I left it at. You can also copy as a starred copy. What that means is it's not auto-deleted when you reach your user-configured clipboard limit. So if you've got 100 and one of these starred items gets down the bottom, instead of deleting that one, it will delete the next one up that isn't starred. You can paste as plain text and actually there's a toggle to do that. So you could toggle that on and off depending on what you're actually doing. Best for me is the keyboard navigation because your fingers don't need to leave the keyboard. So what you can do is you can use a shortcut key to bring up um, your clipboard history in a little floating window. And it's incredibly configurable, the, the whole thing. Although that's there in front of you and you could use a mouse, you can use shortcut keys and the shortcut keys can be configured That's important because you don't want them to conflict with other applications. And I've found the one one app that drives me crazy when I come to try and find shortcut keys that aren't used is Scrivener. There's so many shortcut keys in there and I use so many of them that, you know, you don't want to put a global shortcut key over that one because then functionality that you use in there will stop working. So You can configure these to whatever you want. The window itself, I think the default's a dark window, but there's two themes. So you can have a lighter window if you want, and you can decide where that window is placed. So you can specify a location. You can say, just open the window on an active screen, or you can say, show it at the mouse pointer. I thought show it at the mouse pointer would be useful, but in the end, it just, I think maybe with three screens, and not knowing where the mouse pointer was because it was actually typing, I spent most of my time looking for it. So I decided in the end, I'd have it open up in a specific location. Uh, and it's got, the ad, it's got advanced features. Um, some of them are similar to other apps, but some of them were unique to this, or I'd certainly not seen them in some of the others. One option was to reject duplicate copies, which I thought that's clever. Because when you copy things in Alfred, you know, sometimes you copy something and then think, did I copy that? So you copy it again. Tell me that's not only me.
0: No, that's not only you.
1: Well, with this one, you can reject duplicates. So that way, your list doesn't get filled up with multiple copies of the same thing that you've copied. There's a blacklist feature which means you can blacklist certain apps. So although you can copy and paste from them, it doesn't store those on the clipboard history. So obviously 1Password and generally password managers are a good candidate for that. You can also, and this this is an unusual one, I've not seen this one before, you can specify different shortcuts to use in virtual machines and remote machines. And you might think, what on earth? But it's because sometimes, particularly remember trying to use launch bar and i had launch bar and a shortcut key and at the time remote desktop if you used command space bar it always did it on the local machine so you couldn't actually use launch bar on the remote machine which caused me more than a little problem trying to work the machine what i ended up doing was um, creating another shortcut key i think it was command and l to activate launch bar remotely now i don't actually use the um clipboards much on remote machines but what it would allow you to do is use two different sets of shortcut keys depending on how you're using it which i thought was a good idea Mm. another thing i found useful was a toggle to toggle off the auto hide so sometimes if you're assembling a document from things that you've copied it's actually handy to have that list open in front of you and then you can just quickly move through it with a mouse and just click to paste it in so i thought that was quite handy you can change the display order So by default, all the newest items are stored at the top, but you can change that in a number of ways. You can also have multiple collections. Uh, They're called lists. So you could actually have a list for a specific project that maybe you paste things in every week, something like that. Now, I know a lot of people will use something like Typeinator or Text Expander for that, but I thought I can actually see that that's got a functionality that I might use because what you wouldn't have to do is have any shortcuts for it. They'd all just be there in a list and you could just click the ones you wanted. So um that had potential use as well. Where I thought, wow, this is amazing, was the search. You can um, search in any number of ways. The, the simplest thing to do is Command and F and it brings up a search field, but you can filter in conjunction with the find. So you can have, the first option is it searches everything. Searches everything that's in the clipboard history. But you can limit that to text only, images only, links only, or files and folders only. You can also search by the app copied from. And as I say, all of those options can be combined. So you could actually search for links that were copied from Scrivener and then sort the answers and then filter it by and have the word Apple in it. I thought that was brilliant. That was probably enough, but they didn't leave it there. They've also added in screen capture capability, which you think, oh, there's a million other ways to take screen captures and there are. But there's one option in here that I particularly like, which is it lets you take a screen capture, but you can also choose to do it with or without the drop shadow which usually you need to have something like Tinker Tool or run a terminal command. And then it's permanent, you know, until you run the command to turn it off. To have the ability to take both types of screenshots from one app, I thought was really useful. Sometimes I want the drop shadow. If I'm using it maybe in a presentation, maybe I do want it to look exactly the way it looks on the Mac. So sometimes I actually, in Keynote, put together a slide that looks like a desktop. And I haven't done it by taking a screen capture. It actually is individual components that make up a desktop. And I just want to pop in um, a screenshot of one window on top of that desktop. And you don't want it not to have the drop shadow. You want it to look realistic. But most of the time it's a nuisance. Most of the time, it doesn't look right if you post the image in a blog post or something like that. So that's a great feature to have in there. I can honestly say it's the most powerful clipboard extender I've found in the last nine and a half years. So that's a ringing endorsement. Um, It's $7.99 from the Mac App Store. And uh, I will put a link in the show notes to that. But I'm loving it. And I am actually, you know, during that transition, when, when you go from one app to another, that's a core mm. app that you use and you start using the, the wrong keys and stuff. It actually works perfectly well in conjunction with Alfred. So if all I want to do is go back you know, to to something I copied five minutes ago and I use the Alfred shortcut, that's there as well and that's working. But if I need something more powerful thinking, oh, I know where it was from and I know, you know, one of the words, then I can actually use this other one. So they work perfectly well together. So that's the kind of app I like. Something that works and works well with everything else. So uh, copy and paste. I even persuaded you to install it, didn't I?
0: You did and... um,
1: You've not looked at it since. I've forgotten about it.
0: no i could have done with that though at work well a windows equivalent obviously not that one um the other day because i was creating an email and i needed to copy a link um from somewhere else paste it in the email but i was also having an instant message conversation with you always dangerous yes it was very dangerous uh what i'd done is i'd copied this link then I copied another link from from YouTube to paste into an instant message video. Uh, video an instant message to to, uh, to show you to to you with this video. And then I went back to this email, Word document, whatever it was, and pasted, and I'd totally forgotten that I'd copied this YouTube video, which was nothing to do with work. And I very nearly then sent this email to everyone in work with this link to a YouTube video.
1: You'd have been popular.
0: Yeah, but I managed to, to realise what I'd done. So I then had to go back to the original source of the original link that I'd copied and paste it back into the email. But like you say, with a any clipboard extender but this one you know is very very powerful um anything would have done me just i you know what i use notepad at work to copy multiple items
1: (laughs) oh working with you it's like going back to the 80s fabulous i don't know how you cope because it drives me insane on ios so it must drive you absolutely up the wall i
0: i work from home and use a mac it's um Uh, sanity productivity enhancing yeah. Um, anyway, we've uh, not only have we got new software, we've got new hardware in the house too. Oh, we in have. In the house.
1: You may recall episode 84. I was excited by a new charging device. It was a small brick-like device. It had five ports on it. They were five USB charging output ports. And this, this thing about the size of a packet of cigarettes had just one power cable that went in the wall. And I love them so much that I, I'd i hidden two of them under my monitor shelves. Um, they're smaller than an average USB hub. And they make it incredibly fast to charge devices. My iPhone 6 Plus will charge from, oh, I, think I've, I think I've actually taken it down to about 1%. And it, it's, it, it's full within 90 minutes. So very, very fast charge on the thing. In fact, probably less than 90 minutes. It's probably 90 minutes before I look and think, has it charged yet? but probably faster than that. Um, sometimes, you know, when you're going out and you look at your, your phone and you think, oh no, 20%. I'll plug it in for 20 minutes and it'll be up to 70%. So absolutely brilliant. Now, back when I talked about them before, there were two models. There were $14.99 for a 25 watt version and 19.99 for a 40 watt version. And they are both still available, but there's a new model and it's even more awesome. It's only slightly bigger than the original. On the original, the ports were on the end, the narrow end of the device. This one has an isolation switch on the back to power the whole device on and off. But it's also got 10 ports along the long edge. And now it's 60 watt. It's a little bit more expensive. It's £27, although I did get one on an Amazon offer that was a little bit cheaper. But it is an indispensable device. I was so pleased with the originals that I'd bought that I've upgraded both of mine to this new model. And um, to be honest, I've lost count of how many of these things we've got. But we have them all over the place at Matt Byte's headquarters. Literally every wall socket has one of these hanging off it. Um, so much more use than a 13 amp plug and visitors love them because you can plug anything into it. It's not like buying a charger and they can be expensive enough. That's only for one device. They're just USB stuff. So it doesn't matter. iPads, iPods, oh, iPhones, even Samsungs and, and all kinds of other stuff. Absolutely fantastic. So to have 10 uh, ports on the front, you, you probably think oh, I haven't got 10 devices. But if you if you calculate your devices, friends, devices, visitors, devices, other half devices, you probably have. And uh, they are absolutely brilliant. So I will put another link in the show notes to that one. That is such a fantastic device. I would not want to be without that. In fact, one of the ones I've got, I haven't actually installed yet because uh, I'm using it elsewhere. So I'm actually carrying it around with me. And uh, brilliant, brilliant devices. They also do them in black and white as well. Because I always get the white ones. But if you prefer black, there are black ones available as well.
0: I'm just looking at my five port one now, which is full. So I need a 10 one.
1: There you go. That so will you give talk me... Yourself into
0: it. That will give me 15.
1: Oh, we only need Graham to talk himself into it for a full house now. <laughs> so it's that time now, isn't it? It is that time. Are you ready?
0: Yes. iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. iPhone.
1: iPhone.
0: <sighs> Remember when the iPad was just a big iPhone? Well, now the iPhone is just a small iPhone.
1: Oh, yes. Is this a rumour? Is it a dirty rumour or do we think it's actually true?
0: I have no idea. Wait and see.
1: Well, size options are good, but if they make a smaller one, will all the features be there? You know what Apple are like? They've, they feel the need to differentiate devices, don't they? And uh, this is the fact that they are intending to bring back the four-inch iPhone. You know what I fear? My biggest fear is for this poor device. What's that? It'll have 16 gig of storage because no doubt they've still got some of that boatload of 16 gig sims they've been foisting into iPhones for longer than sanity dictates so i think um it could be like the baby iphone i've also got a fear they'll probably differentiate it with colors the more lurid the better uh. why do they put these things out in in the, the you know that look like home at the frog that nobody is going to buy I don't think I've ever seen one of those green. Was it the 5Cs? 5C, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen one in the wild. Saw a couple of white ones. And possibly that that dirty looking pink thing. But not the green. Never. So uh, they might put colours with them. They're bound to differentiate on price, though. Although I don't think they'll be giving them away. Do you? Probably not. I think if they do this, it'll be like a boutique thing. Not to make them cheaper. It'll just be that some people want a smaller phone. Who knows? Maybe they'll differentiate and Siri won't be on it.
2: Like I don't have enough to do already.
1: To be honest, I actually like the size of my iPhone 6 Plus, which is five and a half inches, I think. And the battery life on the thing is stunning. Um, it was reasonable in iOS 8, but an iOS 9, it's it, it blows me away. It's like having a Nokia. Remember you used to have a Nokia and you charged it like twice a week? mm Literally, the iPhone 6 Plus is like that. I've had, because I've been checking, because I thought there was something wrong with it. I can get over 50 hours of standby and about 14 hours of use time easily on iOS 9. So that's amazing. The options are supposed to be going to be 4 inches, 4.7, and 5.5. Now you're on a four inch, so what size would you go for if there were three options when you upgrade?
0: Uh, I'm happy with the size I've got. It fits in my pocket. Um, I just need a new pair of glasses.
1: Can we clarify you mean the phone?
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you're so innocent. Carry on.
0: Yeah, yeah I find it, it fits nicely in my pocket. It fits. It's my my other one, my four, fits nicely in um a little zippy bag I've got. And um, all I need is a new pair of glasses so I can see the little screen.
1: Yeah, maybe you'd be better (laughs) off with something much, much bigger.
0: Yeah. So uh, now we have a dilemma.
1: A daddy or chips moment.
0: Yes. Apple Care or iPad, iPad, iPad. iPad, iPad. iPad.
1: No brainer. I am all complained out for today.
2: There's something you don't hear every day.
0: After much iPad Pro watching, the great day arrived.
1: The pre-orders. I take it you bought one? Have you noticed it's just not the same anymore? I'm missing the excitement and anticipation of previous years. Just too much not right. And that's before I mention AppleCare. I thought there was a lack of definitive information from Apple. You know, with the iPhone, you know exactly when pre-orders are. With this, it was all, oh, it might be Wednesday or maybe not. Uh, Then there was the usual farce of pre-orders. The mobile app was taking orders over an hour before Safari on my iMac. The pencil's late. I mean, what, the actual? Just imagine the hue and cry if Microsoft had shipped the Surface with an IOU instead of the pencil. Keyboard was late. Same story, apparently. And the keyboard's US only. I call that taking the Google approach. You know, there's no world beyond the shores of the United States. So you didn't bother them? Of course I did. It sat here right next to me. Ooh. I ordered on Wednesday for delivery Friday and it arrived Thursday. But that's DPD for you. Are you not going to mention your DPD delivery from several years ago? They lost my iPad. It was it was your MacBook Pro, actually, but never mind. (laughs) They got bought out after that. I keep telling you, it's not the same company. Seriously, they're they're different now. Anyway, once it had arrived, um, I ordered the silver white one. I went 128 gig, unsurprisingly, went for Wi-Fi only. I always used to get cellular with iPads, but um, once I changed to iPhone 6, I got personal hotspot. So now I don't bother with that. Uh, The size of it, not as big and ungainly as I feared it might be. Uh, Nor is it as fragile as I thought. I don't know what you thought when I I handed it to you. I expected it to feel a little bit flimsier than it does. Yeah, it, it, it does feel fine. Yeah, especially after Bendgate, of course, with the iPhone 6. True. Um, It's extremely light. I thought there was virtually no difference between my iPad 2 Air with a case on it and the iPad Pro without one. So and the case I've got, isn't that heavy. So to me, weight wise, amazing. I'd say size wise, it's more comparable to a magazine. So reading on the thing is stunning. Um, One of the things that I did notice, it's supposed to have auto rotate audio. Had you heard that?
0: I'm not heard of that,
1: no. I can't remember if it was in the keynote or not. We were probably billing and cooing at the time um, about all the other features. I don't know if that was in the keynote, but um, what what that means is, as you rotate it round, instead of it having fixed speakers, the speakers rotate with it. So, yeah, the speakers are fabulous anyway, whether they rotate or not. The speakers are amazing. That'll do me a world of good when I'm trying to use Excel. Yes, but Excel can talk to you. I've heard you talking to Excel. (laughs) Whispering sweets nothings in its little ear. I was testing out the speak command, that was all. Yeah, you, you keep telling yourself that. I was thinking that you'd, you'd, you'd appreciate that, you know, with your sensitive wrist action. True. An iPad Pro could be all over the place with you. That's true. Um, Like the iPad, there was no flash on the camera, but then it's not really a selfie device. You'd need one heck of a selfie stick to try that, wouldn't you?
0: true and I can just imagine you know these people that, that go to conferences um and and take photos of, of like you know the the slide that's on the screen I could just imagine holding up one of those <laughs> and uh, the other thing was didn't we talk a while ago about taking uh, devices into to football matches in old Trafford because you, you you certainly wouldn't get this one in there would you
1: no you're not getting this in no, no. you'd have to say it was something else. I can see them making cases, though, that look like newspapers or something. It's your copy of the Daily Mail.
0: (laughs) True. That's not a bad idea, actually, is it?
1: I wonder if they're checking papers. Mm. Well, they probably are. You know what they're like. True. Um, It had a very long charging cable. It was a six foot long charging cable. Um, I always worry about cables that are like that long, you know, because sometimes, I mean, obviously, probably this happens more with cheaper cables, that it doesn't charge properly or it takes longer. Um, So it has got this longer charging cable and it had a 12 watt charger. But to be honest, I've tried it and it was fine, but it charged way faster with my new 60 watt anchor charger. So I'll be doing it that way. Put the charger back in the box and then put the box away. The only real issue was the complete foul up that Apple made with the pencil for which read I didn't have one. Mind you, I wasn't alone. Neither did anybody else. So ensued the great pencil hunt of 2015. I had a plan. Sadly, it involved a visit to Team Trafford. Mm. So we headed out early Saturday morning. And uh, it was was weird, wasn't it? The Trafford Centre is actually open. You can get through the door. But the shops don't open until 10 o'clock. So we were there about 9.30. And it was the only shop with a queue. And that was, as I say, thirty minutes before opening time. Um, to be honest, I thought it was a damning indictment that at least eighty percent of those queuing needed Genius Bar assistance for broken kit. I'm thinking you were thinking the same. I was thinking the same. Yeah. My first thought was, oh, they're all queuing up for an iPad Pro. But then, as you looked at them, you know, they had they had phones in their hand that was that were in boxes, and they had paperwork with them. And I thought, no, some of these are uh, repairs, you know, walk-ins, and um. That was indeed the case. So uh, I loudly said, I, I trust you noticed why I said that loudly. I oh did. Is, is this queue general or is it for repairs? Hoping that the guy in front would know. But apparently he joined the queue and he was none the wiser either. So is this a British thing? You know, there's a queue, I must join it. I mean, obviously we were actually going in the store, but other people were walking past saying, oh, what are people queuing for? And I thought they'll join this queue just on the off chance they might get something exciting from Apple. Mm,
0: no, I... I don't think many people did know what the queues were for.
1: Yeah, I think the ones with a broken kit probably did, but the people walking past certainly didn't. No. Um, about, was it about quarter two? Yeah. They started sorting us into sub-queues by function. Oh, that should excite you. That's like Excel. Um, the re- the re- As I say, the repair queue was massive. The buying queue, not so much so, but that was all good news. That was when I spotted a pencil in the wild. Actually, in the Apple stores, not completely in the wild is it no it's like more like a zoo rather than a safari if you're with me i'm going off base but you know what i mean i spotted a real live pencil you did and that was when you freaked out the guy in front oh no no he was okay with me salivating over it and eyeballing the assistant wielding it i think it was when i formulated that pincer movement plan to ensure i got my hands on said pencil He started to look a bit worried at that point Anyway, I didn't wait for the doors to fully open before I darted in and relieved the assistant of that very pencil. Sadly, they had none to purchase. But I did have one for quite a while as I parked myself, staked my claim to the display model. It was better than I thought. It feels very nice in the hand. I was surprised at the weight of it because most most of the styluses that, that you pick up, they're a bit, well, most of the ones I've got, they, they tend to try and make them lightweight, whereas this felt felt like an expensive pen. So I thought it felt a good weight. Um, it was also, it felt right because it was a little bit longer than any of the ones that I'd used. I don't know what you thought of that because you had a go with
0: it. It was, it was longer than, than any stylus I've used.
1: And yet it felt right, didn't it?
0: It did. It just felt very natural.
1: The one that I've used most, I use it when I'm demoing an iPad live in a webinar. And I don't know why, because I I don't use a stylus like this at all at any other point. It just feels right when I'm in a webinar. And I think it's because I feel the need to make sure I can see as much of the screen as possible. And that's when I use a stylus. And the one I use is just mobile one. And to be honest, it's like a short, fat, stubby crayon. And this was the complete opposite of that. It was like long and sleek. So it did feel much more like a a pencil rather than a crayon. But I mean, I'm not really fond uh, of that. I I certainly wouldn't use it for writing, that just mobile one, because the tip of all of these styluses tend to be about the size of your little finger. They're way too wide. Um, And the tip of the pencil is what I've always wanted in a stylus, where it is like a pen or a pencil. So um, I just tend to, to, with the ones I've got, use them as like a stabbing device in a webinar. I think you do the same, don't you? Uh, yeah, I do. And
0: I use it that way in videos as well.
1: Isn't it weird? Because neither of us use it like that in the wild. It's obviously something that, that changes in your mindset as you're demonstrating it or recording a video.
0: Yeah, I think it's like you've said it's, it's
1: demo mode, demo head on. I think it's just because when you're using it, you're focusing on the really tiny bit of the screen that you're focusing on. But when you're demonstrating it, you have to be aware of the entire screen and you're scared you'll miss something. True. That's how I think of it. Yeah. Anyway, it felt right. There was absolutely no lag in using it and I used it in whatever apps I could find on the thing. Um, There was Photoshop Mix, there was Procreate and I wanted to try it in the Notes app, the Apple Notes app. Um, because I figured that's what I would probably be using it for most. I would. I would really have liked to have tried it in um, OneNote, but I had to settle for the Notes app. the The big thing with me was the big question was what was the wrist rejection like, because I'd actually tried. On the iPad pro, another stylus I had, and the wrist rejection was non-existent <laughs> it, it was shocking, it was terrible. I ended up I'm trying to draw a line I'm thinking nothing's happening. when I moved my hand away, you know it, it had drawn at the bottom where my wrist was um this was perfect. The wrist rejection was absolutely perfect um, There was a weighted magnet inside as well, so on the display they've got them in white trays. But I wanted to see what would happen if you actually put it on the top because it's completely circular. And uh, this weighted magnet rolls the pencil so it displays the name on the top. It says pencil on a silver bit at the top and it actually rolls it to that that point. But it's magnetic as well. So you could attach it to a magnetic strip on a lot of the covers that are available. Um, There was one of them not paired and it also needed charging which I thought was a bit off. Do you remember that book that Carmine Gallo wrote? Uh, I,
0: rem- I remember a book. I can't. Yeah, that's
1: I can't remember its title. There was the something of Steve Jobs. Uh, was it that was it the presentation secrets of Steve Jobs? Something like that.
0: Something like that. Yeah, something.
1: Well, like he also that. did another one, which was the selling secrets of Apple. And it was, I mean, most Apple people. No, if you've got a Mac, you know what Apple are like. But I suppose for the uninitiated business wise, there was some value in this book. And he talked about the square footage of the stores and all the rest of it. And he went into the detail of them making sure when the store is opened in the morning that the angle of the laptops all matches. And I thought it was very strange, considering that we'd stood there for half an hour and witnessed them having a big old powwow at the back, that they were sitting there powwowing when... The pencils weren't working and one of the trackpads said it needed charging. And I thought, can you imagine if you'd have been a mystery shopper for Apple?
0: I'd like to do that, you know.
1: Well, I'd like to do that as well. Yeah. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Do you think they'd let me take the pencil home for doing that?
0: No, probably not. Mm,
1: In that case, there's no point, is there? No, I just felt that it was... It wasn't 100% perfect, the setup of the store. Mind you, that's Team Trafford for you, isn't it? Anyway, so this thing that needed charging and needed setting up, um, it did actually need charging. So um, it popped it in the bottom and gave it, I think you can give it a few seconds of charge and it gives you 30 minutes use. So it doesn't take long to charge it. The lightning connectors under the cap, which is a great design because you said to me, how do you charge it? And I whipped the top off. You're like, oh, that's good. I couldn't help thinking how many caps will be lost that way? Probably a lot. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I'm thinking it. Um, So now all I need to do is wait for dispatch. So deploy the stingers, lay the man traps and await delivery of mine. Uh, Keyboard wise, they had one in store. um, This was on the display model. Uh, I hadn't ordered a keyboard. I wanted to try them. I don't think you can order a new keyboard without actually trying it. And I wasn't really expecting much from it, I must admit. But they had this one on the display model and the keys were absolutely perfect. There wasn't much travel on them, which there isn't much space for much travel. But they did feel very, very nice. I could definitely type on it. I still had an issue, though, that it wasn't a UK keyboard. Um, It's powered via the new port on the left hand edge and the fit was fine. It actually looked good. Looks wise, though, overall, I didn't think it looked great and um, there was a slight rubber feel to it. The one they had on for demonstration was black and the rubber feel is less the keys and more the rest of the case. So the case is in two materials, this, this kind of rubber feel and like uh, more suedey. And the suede bit goes against the glass. I actually thought it looked a little cheap by comparison to cases I've paid about five pounds for. What did you think?
0: Yeah, I didn't notice. I just looked at the keys.
1: Yeah, the keys were fine. But the fun really started when I tried to fold it up. I asked if it was OK because obviously it was wired up to glory. And she said, yeah, fine. And you just watch that cable at the end. So it was like iPad origami. I mean, it didn't take me long, but I didn't feel that it was logical. Um, the way that it, it kind of folded back in on itself. And I thought, it must just be you. But then you tried it and you made exactly the same mistake that I did. Yeah, it reminded
0: me of some kind of puzzle, which took me about 10 minutes to work out.
1: Well, it didn't take you 10 minutes, thankfully. Well, you know <laughs> but, what I mean. Yeah, I get your point. Both of us tried to fold the keyboard around the back, didn't mm. we? Which, if you'd looked at it, didn't make sense. Because you're looking at it thinking, this has got the suede material on it. So that must touch the glass. But how does that touch the glass if that bit's there? So maybe less than 30 seconds but it just didn't feel logical and getting it set up again as a keyboard so once you've got it wrapped around as a case reconfiguring it to be the keyboard was just as fraught with mistakes and we weren't alone either luckily there were quite a few folks who tried it out and they struggled in exactly the same way we did they made exactly the same mistakes we did
0: yeah there was also um there was a couple next to us who were playing with it and they couldn't work out delete and backspace and it And it got me thinking, you know it's it's probably second nature to um a Mac user, but to somebody who's a Windows user but wants an iPad and sees this new um keyboard, it's like um there's no backspace or there's no um, how how do I remove the characters how do how do I get to the end of the line of text?
1: mm, yeah. I don't know if that's to do with the fact it's um. And you know that was that the which were they using? Were they using the on-screen keyboard?
0: No, it was um. No, it was the proper it was a proper keyboard.
1: Because when I tried it, I I tried it, and I was using the on-screen keyboard. But if they were using the other one, that's American, and I don't suppose that that actually matches what you're seeing on the screen either. Probably not. Yeah, bit of a problem there. And um, the other thing that surprised me about the case, because I hadn't really looked, I'd already made the decision. I wasn't pre-buying it, so I hadn't actually looked at it in any great detail. So this was the first time I was seeing the thing. There was no protection for the back of the iPad, which surprised me completely. I just assumed it would be like the case that I have on my iPad, which is the same as an Apple cover, but it's got a back on it. And it's great protection for the front and the back without adding much weight or bulk anyway. And I just expected it to be that. And when I picked it up and there was nothing on the back, I thought, I'm not seeing me putting that down on a table because with it being so flat, as you attempt to try and pick it up, it'll be slithering across the table. So having seen this case overall, there's no way I'd be happy to pay £170 for it. So I moved on and um, I was looking to test the Logitech Create keyboard. So I headed down to the bit where they have all the overpriced accessories. Seriously overpriced in some cases. And um, I couldn't see it. They had plenty of cases, but I couldn't see that particular one. So we asked the store assistant and uh, he assured us they didn't have any and apologised most profusely for that. Until he disappeared off in the other direction and I found one. And I thought, well, I don't know what he was doing, tapping away on his little device because there it is. Um, It was a red one and I don't dislike red. But the keyboard itself was gold. Um, The keys were more like the Apple desktop keyboard than the Apple iPad Pro keyboard. So I think of the two, I thought, did you have a go with this one? Because I thought the Apple one was better. No, Mm, no, I didn't. It was very similar to the desktop one. So oh, and the other thing that was quite strange. I thought there was nothing between the keys and the glass. So it didn't fold around. It's literally just like a folio style that you put the iPad in one side and then you fold it together and the keyboard touches the glass. Whereas with the Apple one, the way that that origami works, it doesn't. And that was a strange decision, I thought, because although it kind of met at the edges, I don't think it clipped together in any meaningful way. And I thought this case, if you know, anything could get down between the keyboard and the glass and could scratch it, That's that's one of my thoughts as I looked at it. Um, It was much sturdier than the Apple one. It did have a back on it. As I say, it's this folio design. But there were very sharp edges to hold the iPad inside the case. I would be concerned both putting it on and taking it off. It was like a very hard plastic. It wasn't gel or rubberized in any way at all. It was a hard plastic and it was very sharp. It was sharp to actually touch it without trying to get an iPad in it. And it would add a huge amount in terms of both weight and bulk. This thing was big and it was heavy. I've heard it adds about the same weight again. So you are doubling the weight with this. There were three colours supposedly available, blue, black and red, although they only had one in and they only had the red. But the red one had the gold keyboard. The black one has a grey keyboard and the blue one has a white keyboard, which I thought was a strange decision. What if I want a red case with a white keyboard or a black case with a gold one? Well, you're out of luck. So if you really want it to match the device you've bought, then you're limited in terms of the colour of the whole case. That one was £110. And to be honest, don't see myself happy to pay that either. Um, If you think back to the Apple one, £170, that's the price of a new Apple TV and the 64 gig version at that. So I think there's a tendency, we talked about this and it's a phenomenon I've seen with my my dad when he was buying radios. If you are buying an expensive device, you know, you spent £800 on an iPad. Somehow the 170 for the keyboard doesn't register in your brain in a logical way. You just think, and I'll have one of those as well. My dad used to do it. He'd buy a radio at one and a half thousand. And then it was like, oh, and here's the case. You know, it's £200. And it's like, stick one on the bill i think something must just happen to your brain because i think if you walked in anywhere and there was a leather case or a plastic case or a rubber case and it said this is 170 pounds you'd go no way i think it's just the fact you've got this new toy and you want to protect it and you're suckered into the fact that this will do it but no it didn't do it for me
0: we were like that with ipad too weren't we
1: Yeah, I mean, that was a ludicrous amount of money to pay for a case. I think mine was, Mm. was it £70? It was 70 or £80. It was ridiculous. Yes, but there was no point having an iPad 2 if you didn't have the case that day. That's how they sold them. And yes, there were plastic ones that were cheaper, but the colours were grotesque. So I went for a red one. One of the project, not project red, what's it called? Cherry red. Product Red. That's the one product red. Yeah, I went for the red one. You 2 red, wasn't it? it? don't involve you 2 You'll only upset me. <laughs> yeah, I think that is how they do it. Because afterwards, I got a cover that was a, it was exactly the same. In fact, it was a black one, which Apple didn't make at the time. And it was something like 4 99 And it was every bit as good as the Apple one, which I'd got fleeced for about £50 for that one. So, yeah, I'm a bit more careful with cases now. Yeah. Um, I don't think, given the size of this thing, many will be using it naked, though. And I'd already ordered a gel case the day of the pre-orders. It was just an inexpensive thing from Amazon. It was actually called a Jet Tech gel case. It arrived 90 minutes before the iPad Pro did. Helpfully replete with a cardboard cutout of said iPad Pro, which was actually more useful than it sounds to get a feel for, for it before it arrived. Um, the case fitted perfectly. It just protects the back, so I think Apple do a, a silicon one that does a similar job. That was probably ten times the price. Um, it's completely transparent and it doesn't really add any weight to it at all. I don't even notice it's there. Um, but I feel confident in putting it down or putting it on a stand that it won't get damaged at all. And that was a complete bargain. It was six ninety five. The only thing was that once I I realised I wanted to take this thing out, because when we went out to the Apple store, I wanted to take it with me. I didn't feel that a gel case alone was enough for travelling with. Um, I could have gone for one of the standard magnetic covers, but that wouldn't work with the gel case. Although you could probably get one that would. Or you could probably actually cut round this one if you really wanted to. But I just didn't feel that it needed it. So I ordered a slip case. Actually, I ordered two. Uh, Very similar to the size I use for my MacBook Air and looks much better, to be honest. Um, The one I got was similar to a MacBook Air case that I've used for three years. It's um, literally just a slip case that you flip the top over, slip it in and then flip it back. One of the ones I ordered had a small cutout and that holds the main flap in a raised position. And the logic of that is that you place the iPad on the raised part and you get a nice slope for typing on the software keyboard. Um, I literally only intended it to be used for travel and general protection for when I put it in my bag. One of them arrived today and it's actually very nice. There were only two choices of colour. One was red and one was purple. So I went for the red. Uh, It's got a magnetic clasp on it. And it's a perfect size, so it, it literally just slips in, absolutely perfect, and just great for travel. Now, obviously, that means no keyboard. So, keyboard-wise, I'll be using my Logitech K811, which is the Easy Switch keyboard. Which I think Amazon have got that for about seventy-five pounds at the moment. But when I was looking, there were plenty of options to get Bluetooth keyboards for between ten to fifteen pounds. And I thought, Do you know what, at that price, I wouldn't be worried about damaging it, losing it or even having it nicked while I was out. One of the best options that I found was the Anker Ultra Compact Slim Profile Wireless Bluetooth Keyboard. Just rolls off the tongue, that, doesn't it? Uh, it's 14 but it's rechargeable. It's uh, when you've recharged it, the battery is supposed to last for six months, uh, although that reckons on that being used two hours a day. So this explains why mine needs charging virtually every week. Um, it actually, as a keyboard, looks really good. There's a black one and a white one, so you get the choice there. But the only issue with it is that this one is also US-only layout. Do you know, I think in the end, they might as well just consolidate keyboards and make them all the same. I agree. You were saying you were having problems with a Swedish keyboard, weren't you?
0: Yeah, one of the things I've done at work is help people via remote um, login. And somebody in Sweden would, would say, you know, I... I would press a key on my keyboard because I'd be controlling their machine and it would be a completely different key on their keyboard because the layout's different. Um, so it would help me enormously if keyboards were laid out the same world worldwide.
1: <laughs> Certainly would. Now, if you need the justification to just buy one of these keyboards, you know, just to try it. Let me help you out with that. They're cheaper than a set of rechargeable batteries. There you go. You're justified. Um, apps-wise, usual setup. So started off with Dropbox and 1Password. Got to have the two of those, although I do always have to manually type a password in. Um, that Just the two apps, just those two apps, demonstrated a huge difference between apps that are optimised for iPad Pro and the non-optimised apps. 1Password is, Dropbox isn't. And it's similar to when we got the iPhone 6 and the 6S Plus, the new screen size. The apps look okay, but they just they just don't look perfect there's kind of a slight fuzziness to them and um you kind of want to pull back a little bit it's just a little bit too big um the apps that i use and i would love to see updated but are not updated yet so they need updating uh, a good reader which again it, it works okay and it it looks all right but it doesn't look perfect uh, ulysses was one that surprised me i thought that would be optimized on day 1 but it wasn't um, and the Kindle app isn't either. But with the Kindle app, it doesn't matter quite as much because the display for the books is fine. It's literally just when you come to type things that this keyboard pops up and it's massive. It's the it's the standard iPad keyboard rather than being the one that is optimised with the extra keys for the iPad Pro. Some apps are already updated. So Office has already updated. iWork's updated. I think all of the Omni apps have been. I was surprised that MindNode had been. But that just looks awesome. I mean, I love using that anyway, but it looks amazing. And just mind mapping on something that size just works brilliantly. I've even, with the MindNode app, been able to get it split screen. And I'm actually researching what I'm mind mapping at the same time. And that just is fantastic. What I would now love, of course, is a mind mapping app that utilises the pencil. That would be heaven. Um, Evernote has been optimised, but I don't use that too much now. And Pixelmator has. Um, What I have used is the iPlayer, and that is awesome as well. Now, there is a featured section of the store that was featuring apps that had been optimised. So I was looking through it, and um, most of the apps that I I used that had been optimised were in there. But there was a couple of apps that I looked at, and I thought, well, don't use that one. What, What does that do? And I found one called Liquid Text. And it was a free app, so I thought, well, I'll give it a go if it's been optimised. Let's have a look at how good it looks. And it does look very good. It's similar to Goodreader in concept. Um, It does support many cloud services, but it probably doesn't have as much in the way of file management as Goodreader does. But it makes up for that with its annotation and snippet taking. And as I say, I only found it because it was featured, but I think it's worthy of a review in a future show. Definite candidate for that. Um, You can mark up PDFs with it. But what I thought was the unique feature of it was you could highlight areas of your PDF. And once you've selected them, no, actually, no, I said highlight. You can select areas of your PDF. With them selected, you can tap and drag them over to like um, a holding area, like a cork board. And you can move those round and they remain linked to their original location in the document. So you can be taken back to it. So a little bit quirky, but I, th- I thought that was really nice. So well, we'll have a longer look at that. Now I only need Scrivener on iPad for my iPad Pro Life to be complete. Well, that and a pencil. For me, as long as the Sky Sports app is iPad
0: Pro compatible, then my digital life will be complete as well.
1: Oh, I could imagine you with Excel full screen and the Sky Sports app floating lovingly in the lower right corner.
0: And now it's time for Mac Love Bites. I'm
1: not going to do a stinger for that anymore. You're just great on your own.
0: <laughs> we have had a Mac Love Bite from Marcus, who said, I watched one of your Photoshop training sessions. I presume that's you, not me.
1: I sincerely hope so. I've seen you with Photoshop.
0: (laughs) I watched one of your Photoshop training sessions last week and loved what you did with Wordify, the Wordle app. That Steve Jobs one was amazing. I bought the app and have been trying it out this week. I think I'll need more practice, but I'm getting there. Thanks again for all the amazing apps you find.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, that one was a while ago. It was Photoshop Text Magic. And um, what I was doing was some Photoshop tricks with text and uh, i used not only photoshop but a couple of small apps as well wordify was one of those and it's still available in the app store and it's only two pounds 49 and uh, what i did with steve jobs I, I superimposed him on the apple sign outside cupertino you know where it says one infinite loop yeah there was a gap there so i, I stuck steve jobs on it cool. so um that video's online so i'll put a link to that so uh, if anybody else wants to watch it they can go and see it excellent
0: and well done to those of you who spotted the new artwork in show 100
1: we didn't mention it as one we like to surprise you and two itunes feed propagation is a seemingly random science but happy to report everything is well with the feed so check it out and to all those who sent their appreciation thank you very much i'm feeling the need to share an amazing
0: piece of information about your week what and where you've spent a good part of it oh i'm saying nothing
2: That makes a change.
0: Yes, MacBiters may need to sit down for this one. In the kitchen. What? Why?
1: I can explain! As some of you will know, we are in the midst of major building work here at MacBites headquarters. And I've always thought it's a good idea to keep the workmen happy. You know, fed, watered. So, much tea, many biscuits. Actually, they headed off for the weekend in Dublin, which is fine. Only they did it on Thursday. It's a long weekend. So, while it's all quiet here now, the entire back of the house is out of bounds, the washer is in the dining room, and the dryer is in the lounge.
0: And what difference does that make to you?
1: Um, absolutely none whatsoever. But despite the trials and tribulations of living on a building site, we will endeavour to be back with you next week.
0: We will indeed. And that's it for this episode of Map Bites. As always, we'd love to hear from you. All our contact details are on the website at matbytes.co.uk. You can follow MapBytes on Twitter at twitter.com slash You can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. You can follow me at
1: twitter.com slash Elaine Giles.
2: And you can follow me at twitter.com slash
0: So until the next time, this has been Mike and Elaine bringing you MatBytes. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time.
2: What's with all the noise? Building work. A lovely new extension to MacByte's headquarters? That's what they think. You mean it's not? No. I'm bricking up the studio, with the crew inside. That will put paid to any little hiatus they might have planned.